Hi, I'm Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 151 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show for clarinetists. In today's episode, I'm pleased to be joined again by two more listeners. We have Richard Lane, who is actually from Sudbury, Ontario, Canada, so relatively close to home, even though that's about a 36 or 45 hour drive for me. I'm not sure exactly how long, but not necessarily close. But hey, Canada is a huge country. Uh, we discuss many music related topics, but especially his love for the music of Benny Goodman and Artie Shaw. And next up, we actually go all the way around the world and turn upside down to chat with Stephen Shields, who is from Australia. He's a longtime listener of the podcast who's actually recently started his own show called the Stephen Shields Radio Show. And he just completed his Bachelor of Music program and is composing music. And we talk a lot about just various elements of music uh, that he's interested in and, and working on currently. So before we get started today, I would like to thank our 77 Patreon backers. Thank you so much for making the show possible. And you can get access to ad-free versions of the podcast at clarinet.com slash subscribe for as little as $1 per month. I'd also like to thank, of course, our sponsors. Imagine a read that lets you focus on your music, lasts for months instead of days, and even saves you money in the long run. It's all possible with Legere Reads, the world's leading synthetic read brand made right here in Canada. The European cut read is preferred by Legere artists all over the world, including Eddie Daniels, David Schifrin, Karada Giuffredi, and many others. It offers a warm, clean sound with great ease of articulation and is now available for E-flat, B flat and bass clarinet. Learn more at your local music store or at legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E.com. Take your playing to the next level with Bakun Musical Services. With 14-day trials, free shipping on eligible orders, and expert advice, you can be sure you're making the best choice for your musical needs. For Canadian customers, be sure to check out the new store that allows you to pay in Canadian dollars. And for everyone listening, I have an exclusive coupon that gives you 10% off your next purchase, whether it's a mouthpiece, a barrel, a bell, or even a custom clarinet. You can use code CLARINET at checkout at bakunmusical.com. That's code CLARINET at bakunmusical.com. So I'm here today on the podcast with Richard Lane, who is coming to us from Sudbury, Canada. Richard, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. So, when did you discover the clarinet, and how long have you been playing, and uh, what's your clarinet story? Well, the clarinet story is that I've, I'm, I've, I'm closing in on 40 years myself, because I'm uh, almost about to turn 50 in October, and I, I, started when I, I started when I was 12, started lessons when I was 16, had, them, had those for about... Uh, Oh, goodness, a good 16, 17 years, and I've just sort of been keeping myself going with uh, with membership and no-strings-attached no community band here in Sudbury, and then, uh, and just just basically pursue, pursuing it on my own. One thing that I... The, the, the main problem that I have these days is... is and, and I've never really gotten... I've never really com- quite combated the problem is the rapid staccato tonguing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in in rapid tempos, and when you have um, when you have a lot of uh, staccato notes in a row, uh, that and and just trying to increase my digital dexterity, and of course, hands and tongues and hands and tongue and fingers are always so closely intertwined, and so I guess uh, one just has to find ways to experiment. Here's the next question for you: If I were to walk over to your music stand right now, what would I find? What are you working on? What I would be, what I would be working on, is um, oh well, mostly, mostly the old perennials, the Weber and Weber and Mozart, and I, I've also, I, I've also discovered uh, the 
two Majorcan pieces of uh, Joseph Horowitz, mm. and uh, let's let's see, there's that, and I think I think too the the really uh, I, I think what what really sticks out in my memory are the, are the three intermezzi by Charles Stanford, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Charles uh, Charles Stanford has his um, clarinet concerto, uh, but. But I think that the, that the the really charming pieces, some of them are the are the miniatures. You know, it isn't always length that counts. And and the 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 three these three intermezzi for clarinet and piano are that's one of my, that's one of my favorite pieces. You know, I've just sight read through it two or three times, and it's just, and every time I play it, it just becomes more it just uh, becomes more and more memorable. I really like it. Well, I love how you're keeping up so much practicing and. And so much stuff that's not just uh, the the community band music. You know, a lot of times people get into those kind of bands, and then all they end up playing is is what they're doing there. But I also imagine though those are on hiatus right now because it's almost impossible to get together. Of course. All oh, right, uh, of course. And uh, yeah, I've I've always I've always been lucky. I, I I've been trying to amass a, a decent library of clarinet music for years, starting starting back in the. In the in the late eighties, early nineties, so so I'm I'm doing I'm doing just fine, and then I, I happened to get a real shot in the arm as far as building my collection was concerned because one of our members had passed away, and then I got um, it. It so happened that uh, there was a lot of his clarinet music, which included not only solo stuff but duos and trios and clarinet quartets and what have you. As and so they thought, oh, we know who will benefit from this so so they passed on like two big boxes of um if you know what those bankers boxes are eh, that you yeah can, yeah yeah and, and so you know, i don't have any i don't have any uh, cause to uh complain that i don't have anything to practice and yet i always yet i, I always am looking for other things that, for other out of the way things and uh once some of the places open I imagine I'll get a few more pieces, so it's, it's sort of like being a kid in a candy shop. That's how I feel with my bookshelves. They keep getting bigger and bigger, and my time to read remains the same. <laughs> yeah, well, your, book sh- your bookshelves, I take it, have not collapsed under their own weight. Not yet. <laughs> so if you could play any instrument other than the clarinet, which would it be and why? For the sake of this question, I, I will assume that saxophone does not count simply because saxophone is so similar in many ways to clarinet. But but my uh, but uh, my go-to answer on that has got to be that I would like to be a violinist and a pianist. Oh, really? And 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 why? It's simply because you know there those are, if you ask me, the most demanding instruments that there that exist you know, in terms of in terms of any kind of. Uh, traditional instrument anyway mm-hmm. and the reason is that it, it seems so impossible to me that that people manage to learn how to play the, the violin with a, a, a because because of the fact that it's, a, it's not a fretted instrument and of course you watch some of these e- excellent players out there and oh my goodness the the, the bowing techniques um, the, the bowing techniques simply never fail to amaze me and the piano well I mean, 
it, it's such a large it's such a large uh, palette of sounds and 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 tonalities and uh, it, 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 it's such it's such a dema- demanding instrument you know because because of the subtlety involved I mean anybody can go over to the to the piano and just plunk uh, press down a bunch of keys and get a sound but when you want but when you want subtlety and when you want dynamics you really have to have that special touch of how you uh, of of your fingers on the keys and of course there's there's so much there's so much uh, beautiful piano music out there but but one of the things that that Bakun can uh, is is doing very nicely I find is that it's 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 uh, doing a very good job of just helping people understand that well you know there are so many beautiful instruments and so many compositions out there that 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 should be heard uh, what I'm let's let's just say that many many people seem to equate classical music with the piano you know the, the, mm-hmm. because they grew up with a piano in the home or, what, or or whatever but there is so much other music out there that deserves to be heard from all kinds of, from all kinds of instruments uh, not only strings but the woodwinds too and and that is one of the services i find that bakun has a great potential to do and I'm, and and it already has been doing but it needs but it needs to do more of that because because uh, piano is not the be all and end all although there's so much beautiful music if you could meet any musician in any time period who would it be and why <laughs> well that's a no brainer man yeah? it's got to be it has to be uh, it has to be Benny, Benny Goodman because that man and his music have given me so much pleasure and so much joy over the years, as well as being the the um, uh, as well as being the reason for which for which I play clarinet. That um, that I've I've always regretted that I never had a chance to tell that great man just what his music means to me, and uh, and I guess and I guess that I'll put Artie Shaw in there too. I mean, he's sort of like number two for me because I'm a, I'm a great swing music fan. And of course, that sort of dates me. But at the same time, uh, uh, after having given Artie Shaw his due for for uh, you know because he was an amazing musician, I think that I would still like to talk to um, to Benny Goodman even more because Benny Goodman uh, never uh, he always was so aware of his audience, you know, that, that made him who he was and, 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 and supported him by, by into his music. So, um, you know, he, he, he never, he never turned his back on swing and said, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this. This, this has no interest for me. He always, he always knew what it, who his audiences were, and he was willing to play those pieces that he'd played so many, so many thousands of times because they wanted to hear them. So he, so, that's what I respect about him, as well as his the devotion to always stating the melody of a piece before he started before he started uh, improvising and and you know just I think and of course his improvisatory genius. I mean, how do you play how do you play those pieces so many times and yet always have something new to say? It never ceases to amaze me. We went back in time to maybe meet the musician you'd want to meet, but if we could go back to back in time and meet your younger self, what advice would you give? I would give myself the advice to relax, you know. Yeah. Uh, especially, like, like, even now, I have to think so much of 
think so much about relaxing. Every time, you know, the, the tempo gets fast, every time the, te- the, the articulation gets rapid, I still uh, don't, I still don't have that, that feeling mastered of having my feet firmly re- uh, planted on the ground and just, you know, mind over matter and just like, okay, uh, make, being able to tell myself, play mental games so that, so that something doesn't seem so fast or whatever it is. I, I get, I get, I get carried away. And of course that means that is, that proves that I love the music. But then when you start getting, when you start getting excited like that, you also tend to get tense. And of course, tension is the, is, is the antithesis of relaxation. And it's also the, uh, it, it also, it also means that you that you can't concentrate, and and worst of all, tension spreads, and then you're, you're just sunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I just wish I just wish that I that I that I could relax and, and uh, t- uh, going back to my younger self because I still have my issues with it, and also just to be to be patient with myself. I mean, the, one of the it's great to have to have big idols like. Goodman and Shaw and, and, and all of these and and all of these people but but it all but it can be a bit of a problem when a person like myself has such high standards and and uh, you know because because I want to do everything I want to do everything well as quickly as possible and and maybe even perfectly I mean maybe I got to get rid of that maybe I've got got to get rid of this idea of being perfect but I mean that is that that's how much I care about this stuff yeah, it's like they say. I, th- I think the phrase is uh, "perfect is the enemy of done" or something like that. <laughs> oh, I hadn't heard of that, but uh, well, yeah, well, well, it does kind of make sense, though, doesn't it? Because yeah. after all, uh, you know, if you think that you've got something absolutely, absolutely per- perfect and done, uh, um, then there's no need to go back to it. You know, it's sort of like, well, you've done everything that you can with uh, with the Mozart concerto or, 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 I don't know, with the Cavallini Caprices or whatever you want to, whatever you want to uh, put in there in that blank. And then, you know, if you think that you don't have anything to go back to and improve on, then that's kind of, that's kind of disappointing. It's kind of like everything's been said and done that can be said. It reminds me of, of, of some, of Artie Shaw, actually, who said that, that, um, that the problem with with uh, he, he didn't like being pigeonholed, and then he said that one of the problems with uh, with with being defined is that you know that that you're done for because you you put yourself in a pigeonhole. But the problem with the word definition is that it implies that you've absolutely set the boundaries for what something can be, or or um, and then once you've defined something, then you're done with it, and. And then, you know, there's nothing. There's nothing more to be said. And he was. He was just one of those people who was never satisfied. Never thought he was done. Um, but he also was. Dis- the problem with him was he was just uh, dissatisfied with himself because he never thought that he could do well enough. And so, I think that was one of the big reasons why he gave up music and didn't practice for. Didn't touch the clarinet for the last 50 years of his life from the age of 44 until the age of 94 when he died. Wow. It's not that he didn't was interested involved with some aspects of music, but he just didn't play, and I always thought that was so, 
that was so uh, tragic because that guy, I don't care what area you're talking about, nobody had had a command of the upper, the extreme upper register of the clarinet like that man did. Well, you know, you should check out a book called The Practicing Mind. It actually talks about this whole phenomenon where, you know, the reason perfection can never be reached is because the better you get, the farther you can see. It's like climbing up a a pole or something. You know, your horizon keeps moving away um, where you get to. So you'll even like Glenn Gould. Exactly. Or even like crossing the ocean. Like it doesn't matter where you go. the, The horizon's always the same distance, right? So, I mean, it's kind of an endless pursuit. And the book just talks about kind of enjoying the process and trying to become part of the process and, and realizing that perfection is not attainable because as soon as you get to that far place you're imagining, the horizon will still be that far. <laughs> yeah. So. Absolutely. You know, that, that, that there's, there's, always, uh, there's always something more to do. And, of course, um, you know, the... the and that's why that's why it's good to sight read, you know, and, totally. and not worry about whether you get whether you get everything everything perfect. I mean, there are lots of studies, you know. That, that's why it's good to go back and 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 read uh, simpler stuff for um, read simpler stuff than what you usually do, just so that that your your eye can pass over it and and it's not overly complex. But you have the satisfaction of well, I got through that. My fingers did what they what they should do. I actually do. Um, Use some simpler clarinet books as um, as material for for uh, as um, you know more basic material that can be used for saxophone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, and just you know t- taking the simpler music and transposing whatever cl- parts are in the shallow register into uh, the register above, so that I can play it on saxophone. It, it's it's a uh, it's a neat experience. Like there there are some books of clarinet rambles and. Uh, um, you know, um, uh, studies for the advancing clarinetist, the, progress, the progressing clarinetist. Those are really good books uh, to be used for to be used for saxophone as well. Totally. Well, hey, Richard, yeah. I don't want to cut you off, but my phone unfortunately is about three percent here on the charge. So, before we yeah. do get cut off, tell me um, one last question here. What would yeah. your number one book recommendation be to the clarinet audience? Uh, I think that that one of the best clarinet books out there and I believe me I've got three I've got at least three different books but if I had to pick to pick one it's a book simply called clarinet written by Jack Brimer and Jack Brimer had been uh, uh, been uh, the been involved with the uh, oh, I should I could actually I should actually go and get the book but uh, he, he was a very he was a very illustrious um, British clarinet player. He died. He died at the age of 88 in 2003, and he had he had been chosen by Sir Thomas Beecham to to um, when one of the when one of those uh, prominent English orchestras was founded in 1947, and, and Jack Brimer went on to to uh, to record all of the music. The, wind instrument music of uh, Mozart, Haydn, and J.C. Bach, uh, the youngest son of Johann Sebastian Bach. Mm-hmm. And uh, that book in particular has uh, has a great section on what makes the clarinet uh, behave acoustically as it does. You know, the, uh, why, why, the cl- why the clarinet does not play even partials and, and, and all these 
uh, in the overtone series and all of that that's his most um, that's his most uh, original contribution to to clarinet literature as far as anything that I've seen is concerned and there's also there's also a great uh, section of photos in there on in that book about antique instruments you know so uh, he does a great job of tracing the history of the cl- of the clarinet so anyone who wants to know know more about that uh, should should really should really consult that book because he he does he does an amazing job and I just uh, there, there's, uh, there's, there's a section in there on how on mastering, uh, on you know what it's like to be in the orchestra uh, and and attacking material, attacking material for that. Uh, how to go about learning learning orchestral excerpts and that kind of thing. It's a wonderful book. It's simply called Clarinet by Jack Brimer. And it's it's uh, part of the Yehudi menu and music guides. Uh, basically, that series covers it. Has a book on every instrument written by uh, an illustrious player. And in that series, the Yehudi menu and music guides, the the book on clarinet is by Jack Brimer. And uh, I think he's he's one of my favorite players uh, of those who go back a little bit in time. Because now, because obviously now his recordings are historic, but. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, and thanks so much for coming on the show, and uh, I look forward to chatting with you soon. We'll keep in touch. So I'm here today with Stephen Shields, who is another guest coming to us from Australia. There's been a few uh, Australians on the show as listeners so far. So, Stephen, welcome to the program. Thanks, Sean, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. We've been meaning to get in touch and chat for a really long time, but I first wanted to ask, how did you find the podcast? How did you discover Clarinet? I discovered uh, Clarinet. Uh, Sean through the Overcast uh, podcast app. Uh, I was in my uh, undergraduate degree about three years ago, mm-hmm. and I was just curious to see uh, if if there was a clarinet podcast out there. Because you found it. I don't it. think many people could do it, and I found it, and I liked it. And uh, you had Stanley Drucker and Daniel Spreadsbury from Dorico, and I was like, yeah, this is good. So, what's your favorite oh, like episode it. been so far? It's been with uh, uh, Daniel Spreadsbury when he was in- introducing Dorico. Oh, really? The Great. Position software. And so I see you're now using Dorico. You've, uh, in fact, I was going to ask you a little bit about your um, recording and composing. You've, you've since graduated, trying to become a bit of a composer and clarinetist and multifaceted musician. So, um, could you tell me a bit about kind of what you're doing with music and maybe a little bit about what using Dorico is like for those who never did try it? Yeah, Dorico uh, is. Is amazing. It's uh, it's much better than uh, Sibelius or Finale. Much easier to use. The instruction manuals so much more simple. Better sound quality. Easy to mix. And it's I think it's designed to think like a musician, Sean. Yeah, yeah. I found that too when I first started using it. I I haven't gotten very much into it though. I must admit, I uh, I only used it a few times and then my license lapped or something, and I, I can't get it to work anymore. So I'll have to email them about that. But you're right. It, when you open up a, a window to make music in, for example, it just lets you start right away. There's none of this kind of fussing around, and you can do things like pick the key signature you want later instead of at the beginning. I mean, who knows what they're going to write before they write it, right? <laughs> It's it's brilliant, brilliant software from Steinberg, and I and I really thank them. And their customer service is amazing. It is amazing. One of the things I love about uh, Dorico, and even 
back when Daniel worked at, um, what's it called? Um, Sibelius. He worked yep. at Sibelius. Now I, Sibelius drives me up the wall. It's the craziest program ever. <laughs> I used to, I used to joke that I'd break my escape key using Sibelius cause that's all it was about. It's like escape, escape, escape. And mm. even in the manual, it says, you know, press escape, you know, 17 times to get back to the previous window. And, but, uh, even back then Daniel would reply personally to these emails. I remember one time back in like 2007 or something, I used a different type of keyboard layout called the Dvorak layout. And um, none of the shortcuts were working for me. So I contacted them on Twitter. And within an hour, Daniel himself, the, you know, I think he was the head of the design or something. He'd emailed me back a patch that I could custom install into my computer. And I thought that was pretty amazing customer support. So yeah, you're absolutely right. They're an absolutely wonderful company. And uh, so tell me about a bit of the music you've been writing in, in that though. So uh, with Dorico, I've been writing um, sort of like film music that's like very sort of dramatic. I compose in like a sort of atonal, so I don't compose with the key signature, mm-hmm. and it's laid out in, in a uh, film score. And when I'm composing, I'm always thinking of a scene where it would go in, and I get inspiration from composers like Hans Zimmer, uh, you know... Um, well, who's the composer from Game of Thrones? Uh, oh, Ray- yeah. Um, I can't remember right now, but I know exactly who you mean. Um, people like Danny Elfman from mm-hmm. The Batman. So those are my inspirations I get. Very dramatic, uh, thematic type music. Mm. I love the uh, the soundtrack to Inception, actually, the Hans Zimmer film. Um, and the other one, Interstellar, I think it's called. Do you know that one? Yes, I know that one. Great movie. So you're, you're writing music. You did a degree in clarinet since you started listening to the podcast. Did you do any composition kind of courses or study when you were there? Or is this kind of a new thing you've come up with since you were in school? The closest I came to composition, Sean, was I did orchestration classes. Ah, yes. Um, I tried to compose uh, four years ago, but it, it was a disaster. It was all... <laughs> I didn't know anything about harmony and orchestration helped. I did some transcribing. Yes. That really improved a lot. And then I, I just found my way to write atonally. It just worked for me, you know, not having a key signature. But uh, for those who are, are, are doing anything, it's always good to kind of work backwards and, and do that. So yeah, you did send me a link to your, your CD project, so I'll have to check it out. Um, I, mm. I listened to a couple tracks, um, but I haven't got my way, way through the whole album yet. So that's a really, really great thing though that you've, uh, you've done there. So congratulations. And I've got a, thank you, Sean, and thank you for supporting me. I've got another album coming out today on SoundCloud and then I'll be uploading to Spotify. Oh, wow. Prolific. Hmm. <laughs> So have you tried to get together with anyone who makes um, films or like commercials or anything like that? If that's kind of your goal? Yeah, I've been contacting some film producers in Sydney, uh, some community orchestras to see if they're open to playing um, any new music. I think if the community orchestras are playing Beethoven too much, maybe they want to try something new. So I get in contact with uh, conductors. You know, and I'll, I'll keep going. That's what I do. Where do you think, you know, music is going and, uh, you know, the online world as far as all this strange situation we're living through right now? What do you think is going to change as far as your, your future goals? Or do you think this will kind of just blow over? No, look, I think all music will be 
ongoing uh, distribution. Unfortunately, that's where we are now. Mm -hmm. um, not many people are willing to buy CDs. I know if elderly people may still use CDs. <laughs> look at, yeah, it's true. It's, um, it's interesting. Even vinyl at times. But I think everything's going digital now. Yes. But uh, there's still a market out there. Well, the CD thing is crazy. I mean, I still listen to CDs sometimes. I'm not that elderly, but <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know what? I just I was cleaning my house the other day. I uh, I read that book about Con Marie or Marie Kondo or whatever it was about tidying up and just kind of being more minimalist in your life and and having less mm. stuff. And one thing I realized that that I have is hundreds of copies of my original CD because one of the stipulations of the grant project that I did was to actually produce a certain number of number of physical copies and you know as you as would happen in a, in 2016 with a clarinet and marimba album it's not exactly going platinum um, mm. and uh, those people even those who supported the project on Kickstarter they were supposed to get a CD but some of these people I'd email them and I'd say hey your CD's ready and they would say ah oh, can you just send me a download code <laughs> <laughs> and so even four years ago, people didn't want CDs, even 10 years ago. So, yeah, I think the mm. CD has finally lived its day, which in some ways is kind of sad. But I also don't know what to do with like the 340 CDs I have left. <laughs> and the reason why I, I say some elderly people may use CDs is because not of all, all of them would know about streaming. Yes. You see yeah. where I'm coming from. Well, and the quality is less on streaming, right? Yes, that's correct. There's something I miss about CDs too, you know, and, and, uh, I mean, I can't remember how old you are, but I remember when I was younger, you'd go and you'd kind of spend your weekly earnings from your part-time job and, you know, it was like 30 bucks for a CD and yeah. you sort of invested in that CD and I found that it would grow on me and tracks that I didn't like at first might, I might like them later. I might, they might be my favorites mm. later. And, um, you'd really kind of get a different sort of relationship with the artist than when you're at the gym skipping f through Spotify and never really kind of settling down to listen to anything, you know? Have you Have you gotten into vinyl? I do. I have a, uh, record player and mm -hmm. I, I have to say it's an odd experience though, because most vinyl these days comes in really high quality sort of audio versions. Um, mm -hmm. but then what that means is they're usually double or even triple LP sets and so you find yourself getting up to change the vinyl over every 10 minutes. <laughs> it's just mm. kind of a, a frustrating, very different experience. So um, I, I have a lot of vinyl uh, as a collector, but I can't say that I really listen to my music on vinyl all that much, unfortunately. You? Mm. No, I never really got into vinyl, Sean. Um, always found it was, you know, very big, carrying a big, what's that, disc or vinyl, they call it. Yeah, the, the LP or the, yeah. Record. And then you have to have to get that uh, what's that player they use, and then put the needle on it, and the and amp, and change, yeah, <laughs> change the change the vinyl over to the next uh, CD or the next track. But uh, I'm surprised, like in Sydney, there are some vinyl shops out there. People do buy vinyl. Yeah, people are really into it now. I think it's a more sort of intimate, connected musical experience. You know, allegedly. Um, but I heard a funny meme one time. Someone said, you know, oh, I'm so cool. I'm into vinyl because it's the most inconvenient way to listen to music. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not entirely wrong. I mean, it's, it's thrown on a CD even these days is pretty, pretty amazing to think people used to have to do that. I mean, I remember too, 
being in high school and, you know, you're going to get in your car and you want to grab the favorite CD that you've been listening to, but, oh, crap, you lost it. You know, you literally mm. lost your music. <laughs> it's, it's nowhere to be found, <laughs> you know. So um, you go to the store, you'd buy a new copy painfully with another 30 bucks or whatever it was. Um, and, uh, yeah, or, or you'd play it so much you'd scratch it up. And your CDs mm. would be ruined. <laughs> so that was that's the downside. You remember you would you would be around when uh, cassette type. A little bit, yeah. Some of my first music was on cassette, and uh, those would wear out horribly, and you'd have to use that pen to mm. sort of fix them. So definitely a crazy, crazy time. So well, we've only got a couple minutes left. I was going to ask you before we go. Um, do you have anything you want to ask me or chat about? Just before we. Yeah, just uh, I want to thank you for the uh, clarinet podcast. Um, it was, it's, it's really good. I support it. Um, I hope it grows. I want to see it grow in the future. You know, even one day you may you may be competing with Joe Rogan someday. How's that? <laughs> I hope so. Get Joe, Joe Rogan to pick up the clarinet and teach him a lesson. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then you can have like three hour long episodes. How's that? Absolutely. Well, yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. You know, and uh, some of these podcasts, they are so huge. What's that other guy's name? Um, uh, Tim Ferriss, I think, has a really popular podcast. Probably mm. him and Joe Rogan are, are probably the biggest ones. But uh, Joe Rogan is almost like a video cast, though, isn't it? Yeah, always on YouTube. Yeah, he's got like uh, crazy guests. I mean, he's the one who had Elon Musk on there and uh, Bill mm. Gates and all sorts of crazy people. It's it's nuts the kind of guests he gets on. So, But yeah, thanks so much. And um, I definitely wish you well during these crazy times. And um, I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. Grab something good for lunch. I will, Sean. And I look forward to being a a guest on your future show if you have any. Absolutely. We'll chat again. Thanks, Sean. If you enjoyed today's show, please do be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you can get access to an ad-free extended version for as little as $1 per month at clarinate.com slash subscribe. I'd like to thank our gold-level Patreon backers who are helping support the show at the $10 a month or higher mark. We've got Robert W., Andrew M., April J., David S., Debbie A., Glenn K., Jason S., Josh N., Karen D., Miguel D., Patty S., William L., And that is all for now. But thank you so much to all of you who are supporting the show. Also, of course, I'd like to thank our sponsors. We've got Legere Reads, and they now come with a really cool little reed case. It's actually not so little. Some people were commenting that it's kind of large, but hey, it actually fits all the reeds from the bass clarinet or even contrabass, I think, down to the E-flat clarinet in this one little uh, recyclable case that they now come in. So you can check that out at your local music store or at Legere.com or actually at BacoonMusical.com. They're selling the Legere Reads now, and this actually does apply with the clarinet coupon that you can use at checkout. So you can save 10% on your next clarinet, mouthpiece, barrel bell, any accessory, even a Legere reed, which pairs really great with the Vocalese mouthpiece line at bacoonmusical.com by using code clarinet at checkout. That's code clarinet at bacoonmusical.com. Thanks so much for listening again, and I look forward to seeing you next time for a couple more listener lightning round or conversation episodes. I'm your host, Sean Perrin, signing off from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I look forward to seeing you back next time for more of the Clarinet Podcast, the show for clarinetists.